Welcome to another edition, Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And my guest today is a hazy IPA. No, I'm kidding. Uh, my guest today is a good, very good friend of mine, a uh, very important person in my life. I know I met through the, the Jewish community. They're originally from Omaha, Nebraska, but uh, moved here to from moved to Milwaukee for, for work. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have uh, worked extensively in um, fight against homelessness uh, in Milwaukee here uh, through through work. And uh, I'm excited to talk to them about a lot of different things. Uh, we're going to chat about polyamory. We're going to chat about uh, resources in Milwaukee to those that need them. And, uh, and about loving yourself. Loving yourself. Ari Cole, thank you for joining me on the show today. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Mm. <laughs> this is a little product mm-hmm. plug. Um, my side gig is with Great Lakes Brewing. Um, and <laughs> this is our Hazecraft IPA. Um, they're dope. Everything they do is dope. Based in Cleveland. Yeah. Sustainable, employee-owned, ethical, incredible. Right on. That's terrific. Yeah. Love what you're doing, Great Lakes. Keep it up. That's <laughs> uh, good stuff. Uh, this is really good. Shout out really to my good. buddy Nadav, who we used to work together, and then we both ended up not working for that job anymore, and then he needed a Milwaukee person, and he was like, hey, do you know anybody? And I was like, oh, me. <laughs> Shout out to Nad- What was it? Nadav. Shout out to Nadav. Um, so you work like, uh, do they have like a, a, a facility here, or how does it work? No facility here. The brewery's in Cleveland, and then we ship to most of the Midwest. Okay. Um, and so I'm our Milwaukee brand ambassador. So if you ever go to okay. a liquor store or a festival and you see Great Lakes, you might see uh. this bitch out there handing out samples. Yeah. We, uh, we've got the Porter, the Edmund Fitzgerald, named after the ship. Right on. Um, oh, like the Gordon Lightfoot song. Mm-hmm. Nice. So you brought the little variety pack. It's also got the um, Crushworthy um, Wheat Ale, and they just came out with a variety pack of those. So there's like a orange, a lemon lime, a watermelon, and a grapefruit. Mm. And they're like Great Lakes' response to seltzers that everyone is doing low-calorie, right, easy yeah. drinking, yeah. whatever. And they were like, we're going to do the same, but it's going to be a beer still. Nice. Um, so it's got that in there. Um, Burning River, which is a super popular one, and I don't know the other two. Uh, well, I guess we're, we're going to dig in and see what we find. I'm crush this 15-pack tonight. Oh! <laughs> Dude, I can't do that shit like I used to. I used to be drinking like five to seven hams on a, on a Nice Guy podcast like when I first started the show. Uh, in addition to various liquors that you know I was able to afford that week. <laughs> But I, ca- I cannot keep up with that. Like, I was just doing the show so much that it was just like, I, I for it's my... automatic. You can do it hammered. For my well-being, um, I had to, like, start introducing uh, some NA uh, episodes, for sure. Especially the ones where, you know, we're, we're recording at 11 a.m. So, Ari, how was your day today? Today was a really good day. I went into the office at my new job. I've been there for a couple weeks. I work with victims of violence um, through a hospital system. I am excited to just be providing resources for families who are going through some of the toughest times of their lives and making sure that they've got everything that they need. Right on. I'm glad you're doing that work. Um, Yeah, and it it sounds like it's uh, compared to some... uh, other gigs you've you've had in the past uh this seems ostensibly much better yes super trauma informed my team is all about taking care of each other as much as we are taking care of the clients and especially taking care of oneself and so my supervisor will bring something up and she'll be like i need you to work on this homicide case and then she'll be like trauma warning do you need a minute do you need like a glass of water or anything Mm, nice okay now let's jump into talking about this really difficult thing right um she wrote out my schedule for my first couple weeks and like put in breaks she was like all right i need you to study this like really intense gunshot wound case and then i need you to go offline for an hour and take care of yourself yeah yeah no like that it gives you space to like breathe after after dealing with some disturbing subject matter 
which is super applicable nowadays, and especially today of all days with the leaking of the Supreme Court oh, documents. Oh, God, yeah. And that, like, I had to be very intentional today about my social media consumption and, like, when am I actually in the right headspace to be thinking about these things and to be processing everybody's yeah. thoughts. Yeah, yeah. God, yeah. No, that was that was some pretty fucking shitty uh, news to... I know it, like, kind of, like, started last night, but this morning, just, like, hearing all the horror stories, like, on Twitter, you know, like, about what happens when, you know, reproductive rights are, are stripped away. I mean, because, because, you know, like, banning abortion, legal abortions will not prevent abortions. It only prevents safe abortions. Mm-hmm. And, I was going to say one thing on this podcast today was going to be that. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that is, I mean, that, that, that's a home run about, about the subject, you know, um, because, you know, people need it's it's an absolute imperative that that people uh have safe access to abortion and reproductive care of all kinds it's a human right and uh that is a non-negotiable i really appreciate that you're using words like people and human and reproductive instead of talking about women's rights of course i think yeah. a lot of people are kind of going a little handmaid's tale on us about this sure and um making about like this is the war on women when really like I'm not a woman, but like maybe right. someday I need an abortion and are you not also fighting for me? Yeah. Yeah. Right. In- inclusive language matters. And uh, yeah, like it's a war on human rights. It's, I mean, yes, like a lot of women are impacted about uh, on this issue, right? But not everyone who is impacted by this attack on on human rights is a woman, you know? Like there are um, trans men, for example, uh, non-binary and gender non-conforming folks who can also get pregnant. Like it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. So if we're going to remember three things, you can't ban abortion, only safe abortion, gender inclusive language when talking about reproductive rights. And then the third thing that I've seen circulating today that I really want to reiterate is that the last thing we need is more protests outside of clinics. Because the second you get out there, even if you're out there saying, like, fuck yeah, I love abortion, like, let these people get abortions, you are standing in the literal way of people, like, getting into their abortion appointment. Be loud and proud about your support, but, but yeah, remember that, you know, you don't want to be in the way of someone who actually needs this right now. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I escorted our local abortion clinic, shout out Affiliated Medical Services on Farwell. I'm sure if you've driven down Farwell, you've seen the crazies out there. Mm-hmm. Um, sure have. And... Have have for the, basically since I've been in Milwaukee, I've seen that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite thing is when people drive by and instead of riling up the antis or the protesters, um, just say like, thank you, escorts. <laughs> like, you're awesome. We yeah. love you. Go yeah. abortion. Yeah. <laughs> There's one dude out there who, like, wears this blue face paint. We call him Braveheart. And he just, like, makes no fucking sense. He has a sign that says Black Babies Matter to kind of throw people off. Yeah. Because you see that and you're like, of course Black Babies Matter. I I agree with this man. And then you realize why he's saying that. And you're like, oh. Right. And then one day I mentioned, he goes, he called me pretty, pretty racist because I was allowing black women to get abortions. Oh my god! Um, and then I turned to my fellow escort and I was like, "That sounds like uh, Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm." Like, pretty, pretty good. And he goes, yeah. "Oh, you're talking about Larry David? I know what you are." And like, went down this whole weird anti-Semitic train, and just like what wouldn't fuck, say dude? I hate Jews, but just like everything he was saying, the subtext was like, "Fuck Jews." The second they say "you people," you know what they're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. I know what you are. Eighty <laughs> percent that- of Americans support legal abortion access. Yeah, but the Supreme Court's just gonna be like, eh, meh. And the and the Democrats aren't doing shit about it. Like they've had no plan. But some of y'all not ready to talk about that. And then Joe Biden's gonna come out after it happens and be like, I'm outraged that this happened. And it's like, bro, you had all the chances to do something about this. Do your fucking job, Joe. Um, there's a lot to unpack um, as far as you know the 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 implications of what's going on, but what's important is that the people are organizing. Also, um, you know, you were saying earlier about the, the work that uh, you're doing around, um, you know, anti-violence and, and uh, 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 you know, 
finding out like and and fighting the homelessness issue like we're seeing a lot of the implications of that um uh especially like i mean everywhere all over the city for sure but um this is another thing that you know has been it just gets swept under the under the rug is how these insanely predatory slumlords on the north side and the south side buying up properties uh in majority black and brown neighborhoods and uh, subjecting them to horrible, like absolutely like despicable uh, health code violations and safety violations in these, in these, you know, dilapidated properties. And also handing out evictions like their candy. There's one landlord and I can't remember his name. I wish I could. Um, He handed out more evictions so far in 2022 than like Boston and DC. He owns a couple hundred properties in Milwaukee, about, I believe it's 8,000 rental units. And like I said, most of them are on the north side. So he went to Canvas up there and with the Milwaukee Autonomous Tenants Union, MATU for short. And we we went to a few places and um, actually were, were welcomed very quickly into folks' homes to see the damage and the, the, the disrepair. We're talking caved ceilings. We're talking um, rampant pests. We're talking uh, rotting infrastructure. We're talking he, for some reason, removed the back stairs of his of his quadplexes. So there's no back stairs, like, you know, which is a huge fire hazard. Mm-hmm. There's no, if you only have one way in and out of your place, like... What the fuck is what? What are they supposed to do if there's like a fire, God forbid, um, you know, near their front door? Like, especially if you know it's somebody who's like disabled or or old, like elderly. Like, you know, what are they? Are they supposed to just leap the fucking balcony or some shit? Like, what is that? So that's some fucked up shit. Like, and this guy is just getting away with it, and he has been getting away with it. He has been. He's been taking advantage of poor people during the pandemic. Just another example of of a, a, a greedy, wealthy capitalist just getting richer at poor people's expense during so a crisis. this dude is like totally blacklisted amongst all homeless agencies. Like, and then what do you do when you're this homeless agency and you're trying to get people into affordable housing and the best thing that they can find is this slumlord? Do I bounce you to another homeless shelter? Do I like send you to like some sort of rehab facility like do i just force you to figure it out um and all of these shelters have time limits placed on them by the city so the one that i worked at had like a 90 day time limit and if i can't find you something in those 90 days you're gonna bounce around Mm -hmm. and i had several clients who'd been bouncing around for years and years and them and their kids and everything um and it's hard it affordable housing is i obviously believe that it's a human right i think everybody should be housed in their own place um but it is so, so hard to find and it's so inaccessible and the mm-hmm. the hoops that you have to jump through, like the crazy long applications that I had to fill out with my clients and like the web portals that people with literary and technologic issues are not going to be able to figure out. Yeah. Um, and we're, I don't know, the city just like is not supporting homeless people in the way that it needs to. No. No, not at all. Their whole budget's going towards the fucking, the bustling downtown area. So you can build all that, but you're going to kick everybody out of their like homeless encampment and not give them any other options. Exactly. Or or also the money's going to cops too, mm-hmm. which continue to criminalize homeless people as well. I cannot tell you how deeply I believe in, especially the program that Denver has going on, defunding the police, funneling that money into social workers. Denver has had like over 300 calls to their social worker line and not one of them has resulted in the social worker needing to call for police backup. Mm, That social worker is always qualified and confident enough to handle the situation and to get that person with mental health issues, substance abuse issues, um, whatever might be going on that doesn't need police involvement. They're always able to get that person the help that they need without some dude in like a Kevlar vest and a gun showing up. Of course. Like that's just... That's the thing is like the police are being enlisted to deal with things like mental health crises or, you know, domestic disputes. Th- that's not their uh, area of expertise whatsoever. That's my area of expertise. Right. Send me yeah. to go deal with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's right. Like I can't tell you how many times when I was working in the shelter, somebody would threaten my life and be like, "I'm gonna snap your fucking neck," and I would just be like, "Okay, tell me more. What? How do you? Why do you feel that way?" And mm-hmm. then just like talk them down from their situation and get them to the point where they're like, "You know, what? I'm sorry that I said that. I didn't mean it. I'm going through X, Y, Z. I'm homeless. I'm displaced. I'm unemployed." whatever and here's all these reasons that i acted the way that i did yeah. and a social worker can really get to the root of those issues and address them and humanize this person in right. a way that makes them feel vulnerable enough to um, move on from the situation rather than violently subdue them mm-hmm. yeah or just escalate them like everything that you should not be doing in a crisis situation and it's it's embarrassing yeah yeah it is embarrassing and right like they don't solve like like and it's just it has been statistically disproven that more police does not equal less crime um police don't prevent crime they respond to it right right and they also they also don't actually serve and protect people they serve and protect capital mm-hmm. private property i don't know it's just if you fund like you know community based programs then you will see crime like end up solving itself right Be- like over time and in various ways housing if you're funding um supervised consumption sites for drug yeah. usage if you're funding universal mental health care for everybody and physical health care mm-hmm. if you're making sure that people have their like maslow's hierarchy like bottom couple yeah. of tiers met crime gone oh yeah or even as when it comes to like kids and schools right like getting cops out of schools, funding after-school programs, funding, like, opportunities for, for, for children to, to, like, get involved in and contribute, you know, uh, be involved in their community. Like, things Leadership like that. opportunities for kids and qualified counselors and teachers to guide them through those experiences gets that energy out, gets that nervous, anxious horrible preteen energy that we all had to go through you have to put it somewhere yeah and when you have the right leader guiding you through that experience then you don't feel the need to misplace it onto somebody else absolutely yeah exactly like another really frustrating issue that has come up has been um the 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 lack of funding towards public transportation Mm -hmm. right um you know having like you know uh you know improving the bus system which you know i love the, the milwaukee bus system i've been relying on it since i've lived in milwaukee i still do um but also right like funding i mean we can talk about the proposed high-speed rail but <laughs> you know unfortunately that was dismissed a long time ago but that could have been rad um but you know things like buses and trains um uh to be like as as a means of getting people from point a to point b i mean that reduces the amount of cars on the road and less cars also means less uh of the issue of reckless driving mm-hmm. which is a huge issue in milwaukee it is but psa we should all be bussing home from the bars yeah it's the easiest thing in the entire world my Uh, husband said that our bus system just rolled out a new app and that like we're getting onto a larger national app um but that like our infrastructure was not ready for it yet and so the app is like providing riders these qr codes and the buses don't have qr code scanners yet so like we're trying to move forward we're trying to like be be part of the future of public transit but like we're not ready for it and we're we're not investing the time energy and money into getting ourselves ready for it and getting ourselves ready to be this metropolitan city that we act like we are yeah yeah like if you don't have the infrastructure invested then these plans won't work and you're not going to actually be helping the working class it's getting more and more like complicated for for poor people to afford to live stable and comfortable lives and it's expensive to be poor yeah. Like I I was very blessed to have gifts from family that helped me buy a house. I'm paying the same amount for my like four bedroom, three bath house that I was paying for like a two bedroom, one bath apartment because rent is a fucking joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then not everybody has access to a house and being able to pay a mortgage. And then you end up like 
owing so much more money to so many more people because you don't have the capital to get yourself started in the first place. And everyone's like, oh, you just got to be a self-starter. You just got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And it's like, it, it that's not how it works anymore. Right. And even if you are fucking working really fucking hard, it doesn't mean you're going to get anywhere if you're if you're born into difficult circumstances. It's the... Um, the trope of the man who can afford one pair of $100 boots, it's going to last a lot longer than the man who has to buy five pairs of $20 boots because he doesn't have the 100 at the time. And I just feel like that's the rat race that, not even impoverished, like I, me and so many of my friends I wouldn't consider impoverished, but still like on the lower end of income and like that's the the cycle that we're stuck in is just like I can't afford the expensive good thing. Mm-hmm. So now I have to buy like six tiny shitty things because that's what I have the money for right now and then you end up like stuck in that cycle and not not being able to invest not being able to like travel not being able to do the things that you want to do because Mm -hmm. it's it's just not there the the corporations are not paying people our age the way that they were paying people our parents age when they were this yeah yeah you know what, Ari? It's it's all that damn avocado toast that that people are eating. If I stop going to Starbucks, then I'll be able to yeah. leave Milwaukee every once in a while. You know, it seems like no one wants to work these days. You gotta you get it. Up get us there work. work. So another thing I uh, wanted to talk about. Um, this isn't actually we're we're not going to be angry about this at all. This because this is actually a a very uh, wonderful thing that uh, we we wanted to chat about and so mentioned polyamory at the beginning and um polyamory is for those that don't know is um the the lifestyle choice of having um, more than one uh romantic sexual uh significant other partner right um and uh i so i became polyamorous in the last year or so um and uh, it's been great, you know. It's it's been uh, something I didn't know that I needed, but I'm kind of uh, interested in like, kind of your how you kind of like found yourself like identifying with it, and uh, you know how it's worked for you over the years. So I've been with my husband for ten years. Um, his name is Jake. He's the greatest person I've ever met. Shout out to Jake. If you haven't met Jake, you should. I'll introduce you sometime. It's good people. Um, and. We were monogamous for five of them and then found ourselves interested in another couple and just like through hanging out and um, smoking a lot of weed together, Mm -hmm. just ended up being involved with each other. Nice. It didn't end up going well, but we realized that the idea of having other people in our lives who we care about and who we want to keep up with and want to like hug and kiss and like be part of their lives was like really special and important to us. Um, and so we really dove into polyamory when we moved to Milwaukee. We both started dating multiple people, different couples, um, and it has been the best thing for our marriage because Jake and I are really wholly different people. Um, he's a lot more introverted. He likes to stay home and chat and, um, eat good food and like keep to himself and one yeah. other person i'm annoying i'm like always i'm always in jake's business like i i just want to talk and i want to talk and i want to like be with you and i want to do exciting things i want to go yeah. to concerts i yeah. want to like go on adventures i want to do crazy stuff that jake doesn't want to do with me um and instead of resenting him and wishing that i had a different partner i do have a different partner so I'll come home and I'll sleep with Jake at night and then I'll go to a concert the next day. I'll do something really like fun and exciting that Jake would never want to do with me. Right on, um, yeah. mm-hmm. And then I can come home and talk to him about it and he's just excited for me. And he's like, he's really into it and he he's like, I'm really glad you had that experience. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure that gets taken off of each other yeah. um, for not having to be one person's everything so mm-hmm. even though we're married and we've been together for so long and he is my best friend um we're not each other's everything and i think that that's way healthier yeah. than expecting the world out of one single person totally absolutely yeah no i appreciate you sharing all that like yeah like 
the what you just said is is spot on like because let's be real we all have different wants and needs um and it doesn't mean that polyamory is you know that it works for everybody because it doesn't uh monogamy definitely does work better for 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 many people and and that's totally totally okay um but it, if it's but it, i think that like for those that are open to it i like i i definitely like would suggest looking into it um because i didn't think it was going to be for me for for a while but then like you know i just i started seeing somebody who was poly and after a breakup that taught me a lot about like just what like wasn't right for me and just like what i wanted um next in life like it just made me open to the idea um just to see how it goes and it turns out it worked out pretty well and what's great about polyamory is that like it doesn't seeing somebody else like you know whether, it heightens your connection with other people yeah it doesn't diminish it at all it's so much fun to come back from a date and be like we talked about this thing we ate this food we did this thing yeah and have your partner be excited for you and you know in my situation I come home after a date and Jake is like, I had a really good night playing video games by myself. Thank you so much for giving me that time. Hell yeah. That's um, good stuff. But the main question that I get is people are like, what about the jealousy? Don't you get so jealous all the time? <laughs> um, and Jake and I have a really interesting system. There's a difference between jealousy and envy. And jealousy is when you are scared of losing something that you have. So when you're in a monogamous relationship and you're scared of losing your partner, you are jealous that they're having these interactions with other people. Mm -hmm. Whereas in polyamory, envy is wishing that you had those same experiences as that person. Yeah. So there have been times where I'm dating someone and Jake is not, and he's envious that he wishes that he had a connection with someone the way that I did also. Um, and so do I get jealous? No, because I have no fear in my mind that I'm ever going to lose Jake. We're just best buddies. Oh yeah. Um, but do I get envious when he has these incredible dates or when he's seeing someone who I consider conventionally more attractive than me? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I think that's a good distinction to make. Um, like having multiple partners, like, ha like having something with somebody else, like, you know, from... A relationship doesn't take away any of what you have in that relationship with that person right like you we have so much capacity for love yeah we, we do and because it's like i only had ever been exposed to the idea of just being with one person so like it was always like the existential feelings of like well what if this isn't my person what if like i'm meant to like you know see what else is out there like you know it's and those are uncomfortable feelings to have um, but thankfully, like those feelings have gone away, like those existential questions uh, that are uncomfortable went away once I like started, once I became polyamorous, like, cause you're not putting pressure on one human being to be your whole world for the rest of forever. Yeah. And, and I think it adds a lot to, um, platonic relationships as well was that the lines are blurred between the romantic and the platonic because you just have so much more, like the love grows exponentially. Um, and so like I fall in love with someone and then I love their friends and then like I love my friends and like yeah. even yeah. if I don't have a sexual or romantic relationship with someone, I can love them and I can love them deeply. And what's the difference between that kind of love versus romantic love? On, on paper, nothing. It's just that... I think you're amazing and that like I want to spend a portion of my life in your presence and that I love doing things with you and that you make me happy. Um, so it has really made distinctions between romantic, platonic, sexual, whatever, so much more um, of a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like. Yeah, it allows you to explore like those those dynamics you can have with others, and um, and yeah, like I mean, it's obviously a lot of communication and transparency, and you know, just being trustworthy. Um, being trustworthy, not just trusting people, but being, being trustworthy, trustworthy. Right. and and letting people know that they can 
respect your word and that you are telling the truth and that you're being as true to yourself as you could possibly be. I feel like polyamory is so much less of a game than monogamy. I felt like in monogamy, I was just trying to like play my pieces the right way to like find a husband mm-hmm. yeah. and to like find the person that was going to validate me and love me. It felt like a lot more of a conquest. Yes. Sure. Whereas in polyamory, it's just like you're you're kind of doing all the side quests. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like going through and you're like, Wait. this sounds really fun. I love that. We're going to do that for a while. Oh, yeah. And you know what? That's not really working out. But then I'm going to go to this side quest. Okay, now this like NPC is going to come along with me for the rest of the ride. Like, we love, love that. We love the side quests. <laughs> um, it's just been, it, it's made me realize how unrealistic it always was to like expect to, to give so much myself to one person. Because I've always struggled with doing that. I think that's why like, you know, ultimately why, you know, some of my past relationships failed was because I did struggle with like, you know, Every, What's wrong with me and why can't I do everything for this person? Yeah, like why, like, you know, why, like I'm expecting this person to meet my every need, but I'm also expected to meet their every need. And that's... And then you just get dumb arguments about it. It's like, you're not meeting my needs. No, you're not meeting my yeah, needs. And, yeah. And why don't you just go out and find somebody else who can help you meet those needs? Yeah, yeah. And, and so like, it made me feel very unlovable you know, for a while because I couldn't figure it out. I could not figure out why I couldn't just like, you know, have that person like, or if I was with somebody, why like that couldn't just be enough, you know? And, and like, and you know, no shade at all to my, any of my exes. Like I wish them all the best and I hope they're all doing well. It's just ultimately like, you know, our, it feels like something's wrong with you Yeah, when you can't, fulfill someone every someone's every need um and polyamory really opens the door to tell you that like nothing was wrong with you what's wrong with us is like the socialized monogamy that we've been forced into as a society like polyamory is all over the history books in every culture growing up like Mm -hmm. so many peoples before us have been doing polyamory for a long time we got forced into monogamy when land and um belongings and heirs started becoming a lot more important and the man needed to know that this kid was actually his kid and that and so he knew who to pass his things down Mm -hmm. to that like that's the main reason for monogamy is that like we we as uh early capitalist society needed to pass our capital on to our next yeah well that would that would make sense right like and once again, it doesn't make anyone who practices monogamy like it doesn't mean that like you know they no, no shade they shouldn't of, right of course do whatever you want hey we love our 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 monog homies but as much as I'm proudly openly and loudly queer in the face of a historically straight society I'm the same way about my polyamory yeah yeah and um like, I want to talk about breakups in poly. Okay, yeah, well... So we've gone through some breakups lately, both of us. have, yeah, yeah. Yep, it happens. Um, What are you going to do? And I've actually been accused in former relationships of, like, not taking breakups as seriously because I have Jake. So, like, I would go through something and my partner would be like, well, at least you have Jake, like, you're going to be fine. And I think that there's two sides to that coin. One is that... In the first place, I never depended on this person to be my everything in the same way that someone in a monogamous relationship might do. So yes, it's a little easier in that I'm not losing my whole future during this breakup. Mm-hmm. But the flip side is I'm still losing a whole relationship, a piece of myself, like a yeah. really important aspect of who I have been for the past weeks, months, years. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes people don't take my breakups as seriously because they're like, oh, well, you have Jake, you're fine. Right. It doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean it like doesn't suck, you know? Yeah. Thankfully, like, you know, both of my, like my, my breakups in the last few months have been, you know, like there was no bad blood or anything. It was just, you know, different being in different places in life, just needing different things in the present moment. Like it was, I feel like is a trademark of polyamory is having like really positive breakups. And it was. Yeah, like it, it was very like 
just a check-in, you know, and uh, as opposed to like worrying so much about like what you're not being told or what you're not or what you've feared uh, all along or some shit like that. Um, Because by nature, there's a lot of very, you know, like borderline excessive communication that comes with polyamorous dating. (laughs) Um, And uh, so by nature, you're communicating constantly and being transparent about everything. And what are you doing on Saturday? And do you need anything from me? And how are you feeling about this whole relationship? Yeah. Are your needs being met? Do you have any boundaries that you want to draw? Let's talk about our STI status. Like everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another thing about polyamory is you know there's there's different styles of it if you will i mean so in your case like you have what they would call a nesting partner where like somebody who you live with um so i do practice hierarchical polyamory okay where jake is my primary partner anyone who dates me needs to understand that like jake is my priority he's my family um we're married like we have fur babies together yeah um yeah so he's of the utmost importance to me and if somebody's not cool with that then us dating is not going to work out and that's happened in the past where people have tried to replace him or tried to like push me away from him um and that never works out because i'm always going to prioritize jake sure yeah Um, yeah, yeah. what i would consider a secondary partner is someone who i have a very strong deep relationship with who i maybe we're in the i love you territory Um, spending significant amounts of time together. And then a tertiary partner is someone who, I'll see you every once in a while. You want to go out for a drink? Okay, sure. Sounds good. And then there's comets who are just people who just like pass through every (laughs) once in a while. Maybe they live in a different city. Maybe they've got their own thing going on, whatever. Um, But I'm very firm with my hierarchy because I feel very strongly that nobody's ever going to have the same role in my life that Jake does. I mean, even legally, he's my husband. Of course. Um, so I I really love and respect that we've got that relationship going on and that I have relationships outside of that. Yeah. Um, but I understand relationship anarchy. I think it's dope. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I love how you and I are like this, uh, like, like this infomercial. <laughs> For- have you tried polyamory? <laughs> Check it out today. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I would be considered a relationship anarchist um, because, I mean, I kind of, I guess, perceive like my my romantic partners um, kind of like in an egalitarian way where like I want everyone to like kind of play like sort of an equalized role, which is still a distinct role to be played in in, in each relationship. But I guess like... It just makes more sense to me to feel like, you know, every like I'm giving like, you know, an equal amount of devotion and and love and, you know, honor and time to like each of my partners. And um, and, you know, that and like like I said, like that is still that still means that what I have with one person does not subtract or, or negate anything from something I have with somebody else. It's still a, it's going to be a, a unique relationship that where, you know, we have our own connection. We, we, you know, have like a, a unique blend of our needs being met and we, yeah, like just have a dynamic that is entirely authentic against another dynamic I have. So, that's, I guess, what's making sense to me right now. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I only have one partner right now, so um, they take up uh, uh, my time uh, as far as I'm concerned now. But, you know, that obviously hasn't been the case in the, in the last year where, you know, we've had to evaluate that. And there's those periods where I see, I don't, I see, I might see one partner, like, a, a, a bit more frequently in like a, in a given amount of time and then less of them in another period of time and then more of the other partner like it, it all kind of just depends on how everything's lining up in the it's moment like a little amoeba it just like grows and shrinks and yeah. 
changes based on everything. Like everybody knows how complicated it is to fucking exist as a person. Yeah. It's hard. It is so much maintenance. I got to pay bills all the time. I got to like go to jury duty. Like. Yeah. And then like one partner could be like really going through it. It needs a lot of your time and energy and space yeah. and emotions. Um, and then another partner might feel left out. So then you shift a little bit or like sometimes I just get really like into a hole in myself and I don't want to see anybody including Jake. Mm-hmm. And I like need my partners to be understanding of that. Yeah. Um, and I think polyamory just leaves a lot more room for everyone to kind of exist as they are and flow in and out of each other's lives. Um, because like even, even breakups in polyamory, we talked like don't have to be super traumatic. It just made me like look forward to like, you know, date again, but also be very honest and forthright about intentions in a way that might've been uncomfortable in the past where it's like, you don't quite know, like, you know, when you're monogamous, it's like, you don't always like, I didn't always quite know, like, you know, what to do about something. Like once something started, like, is this going to be casual? Is this going to be serious? Are we going to get fucking married? Right? Oh, are we yeah. going to break up? Or are we going to get married? What? What's the end of it? Dude. So I've got this therapist and she, um, she's like a therapist trainer. So she's a fucking super genius, like travels the country doing like speeches for other budding therapists she's a genius and she really speaks to me like the mental health professional that i am and i deeply appreciate it Mm -hmm. um and she frequently talks to me about ego stages and that anything that has happened to us in our lives leading up to this point we have an ego stage inside of us that lives with that so my dad died when i was 10 when i experience grief i'm 10 years old again um, I was sexually assaulted at 17 when I get triggered in that, in that right, like I'm 17 again. And it's up to me as this 26 year old loving, caring adult to reparent those children. Um, and so ages like 12 through 16, I was extremely promiscuous, like slept with all my brother's friends, was really just like seeking out any attention I could get because I wasn't getting the attention that I needed at home. And polyamory has been so positive and powerful in that right because I am nurturing and loving that like scared 14-year-old inside of me by getting positive, loving attention from so many different people Mm -hmm. and being told that I am worthy and that I'm lovable and that there are so many good qualities about me. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. And it has been so good for my inner child Hell yeah. to be to be loved by so many people. Like it's it's so wildly healing. Hell yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad it's been so such a a, a healing uh, a road to healing for you, and that it's been so like you know um, optimal for you because you deserve that. You know. Sunday I ran into someone who I did not want to see someone who did not love me the way that I deserved to be loved sure um but the person that I was with (laughs) first off I told him and he was like all right I'm closing my tab we're getting the fuck out of here (laughs) um but then we were in the car and he was like I am so sorry that you were ever treated like that you do not deserve that you are so lovable you are so kind you put so much love out into the world you're such a good person um and just to hear that in juxtaposition to the flood of negative feelings that I got when I saw the previous person, um, like really rewired me a little bit, like, like changed my neurons to be like, no, when I start feeling this feeling, I'm going to remember what he said to me instead of how this other dude used to make me feel. Right on. Yeah. No, that's, Hey, that's, that's, that's some real shit. That's, that's firming figure next to you makes the world of a difference. There have been people um, that have mistaken polyamory for, you know, dating somebody, but then just like going around and sleeping with whoever they want without having that, that, that level of effort and communication that a partner needs. I do know that people can like, you know, call themselves polyamory, but really still take advantage of, you know, the situation to you know, not be a good partner. And like that, I'm polyamorous, but my wife doesn't know. Right. Stealth poly. 
what the fuck is that? Uh, <laughs> um, no, so much of polyamory is communication and boundaries and like checking in with each other and making sure that everybody's having a good time and is comfortable with everything that's going on. Like I have never slept with someone without talking to my husband about it first and making sure that like he, not as my husband, but as my best friend thinks that it's a good idea for me Mm -hmm. in, in my psyche, in my emotions, in who I am as a person. Um, and so we talk about everything first we, like, it's not because he's controlling. It's not because he wants to stop me from doing things that are fun. Um, but he he's my better half. He stops me from doing shit that's, like, not good for me. Right. Or impulsive or some shit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I... Yeah, I mean, I think that it's also been a bit of a healing process for myself as well. From, like, the, the inner child in me that felt um, like I was very misunderstood and difficult to love um you know like i was very introverted as a kid i was bullied i you know have had severe abandonment issues since i was little um so all signs point to you not feeling worthy of the love that you feel in a relationship yeah and so you can feel that and when you can have multiple people telling you that instead of just one person who feels trapped into doing it because they might have marriage with you. I'm sorry. I'm watching um, The Ultimatum right now on Netflix, mm. which wow. is about people who were like, either marry me or break up with me. And then they, it's it's a dumb show, but I love it <laughs> because it's like the antithesis of polyamory. I'm like, why don't you all just date each other? Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but so many of them are just like, I'm in this relationship to get married and have kids. So if you're not doing that, what are you even doing? But if you can be in a relationship just to feel loved by somebody, just to feel like you are worthy of the space that you take up in this world, mm-hmm. what's better than that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ari, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, this is great to hang out with you and talk about uh, things that piss us off in the world. You know, all of this decaying capitalist late stage capitalist bullshit that that we're, we're we're dealing with right now both in milwaukee and beyond but also talking about polyamory has been very awesome and uh fun and you know also just great to share space with you you know i always love hanging out with you and we always have good conversations both on and off a podcast so cheers cheers love you love you too one question I have, actually. Um, this is a question being as you are non-binary in a marriage, and I just had a I just had a question more about some like uh, you know inclusive language. Um, so you you refer to Jake as your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, tradition- Can we interchange wife or spouse for me. So, okay. Okay. Right on. That and that's sense. it's it's growing and changing. So at first I was a she they, then I was just a they, then I was like, okay, mom and dad, I want you to call me your kid instead of your daughter. And so I'm just like kind of progressing through a lot of the different labels and changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a while I really liked wife and it worked for me because I think every little girl dreams of being a wife someday. Not every little girl, but um, most of us. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I'm finally a wife. And then suddenly I came out as non-binary. I was like, oh shit, maybe I'm not a wife. Um, so Jake worked with a lot of Spanish speaking people at his last job. And I asked him to refer to me as his esposa instead of esposa. I recently asked him and my birth parents to start referring to me a lot more gender neutrally. Um, as I move into this identity and figure out who I am and figure out what feels the best for me. Right on. Awesome. And it's, uh, it'd be a mix Cole? Mix Cole. Mix Cole. Mix Cole. Well, Mix Cole, uh, my closing questions for, for everybody is, uh, the first one is, what keeps you up at night? It's the way that people treat each other. Mm-hmm. I really wish that we could all be a lot more kind to each other and a lot more understanding that all of us are going through this, like, fucking weird existence as human beings but i wish that we all had a little bit more grace for each other because being a human is hard existing is hard relationships are hard work is hard co-workers is hard everything is hard yeah. and if we could all just be 
like a smidgen nicer to each other and more understanding of the hardships that each other are going through without us having to be vulnerable all the time. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes it takes a vulnerable moment for someone to understand you. And I wish that I could be understood without pouring my heart out all the time. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Like where like you feel like you have to like, you know, you feel like you have to be all dramatic and shit. You know, I want just... to tell you that I'm having a sick day. I don't want to tell you that I'm having a mental health day because it's my dead dad's birthday. You know, like mm-hmm. I want to I want to tell you that I need more support lately. I don't want to tell you that it's because I got in a car accident last week and am going through a lot of emotions right now. Right. Like yeah. we have so much capacity for kindness for one another and we do not take enough advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like. You shouldn't have to tell somebody your life story just for them to have empathy for you. Mm-hmm. The second question is, what puts you to sleep? Mm. Great British Bake Off. I'll watch it. I'll fall asleep. I've seen every episode probably like 20 times. Right on. Yeah. I love it so much. It just calms me down. and makes me feel so happy. That's good stuff. Lately, I've been watching a lot of YouTube at night, like nostalgic YouTube. Um, I've been watching like... Like Charlie Bit My Finger? Not quite, no. Um, I'm talking like... Just, like, old, like, show, like, kids show, like, intros are all on YouTube, and it's just... Mm, You know what I've been sleeping to lately? Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, yeah, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) It's on Netflix now. Oh, fuck, really? Damn. That's awesome. I loved, I loved the Fairly Odd Parents. (laughs) Thanks for being on the show. Hell, yeah. Uh, so for everyone watching, um, shout out to, uh, uh, all the folks in Milwaukee that are fighting for a better Milwaukee. Shout out to the beautiful harem of people included in those who Ben and I have dated. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Shout out to MK Moishapod, our good friends. We love Moisha. Leah and Nicole, you're killing it. Yeah, the homies. Um, and just, uh, and shout out to Great Lakes Brewing. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.